I don't want to get over her. I want to get her back. It's official. I'm in love with Summer. I love the way she makes me feel. I think we should stop seeing each other. Did you ever even have a boyfriend? What happened? Why didn't they work out? What always happens? Life. Now, I picked that trailer to play this morning, not necessarily to recommend the movie. It doesn't come out till October. And I'm a little scared of actually seeing the movie because it, I'm not convinced it's going to have a happy ending. And I hate love stories that don't have a happy ending. But I wanted us to have a look at it because if there's one thing that comes through on that clip, it is that love can be a bumpy ride. It can often be a very fine line between love giving you pleasure and love bringing you pain. Because all the things that can make love so exhilarating, uh, the passion, the uh, obsession with someone, the fascination with someone, all of those things can suddenly turn on you. And it can be exactly like that clip where one minute you're dancing in the park and the sun is shining and there's a little bird singing on your finger and the next minute you step on a bus and all you can see is the girl you can't have. Love does not always run smoothly in this world and it can be a very fine line indeed between pleasure and pain, which is pretty much what this morning's section of Song of Songs is all about. It's a section that opens on the pleasure side of the equation. Chapter 2, verse 8. Listen, my lover. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. For those of you who were here last week, you'll notice that this morning's reading takes us into a very different setting to last Sunday. Uh, Last week, we were in a more intimate bedroom setting as our two lovers enjoyed the closeness of being together and making love together. Today, though, the setting is more outdoorsy. Uh, There's mountains, there's hills, and the mood is now one of looking forward to being together rather than actually being together. And so there is a sense of excitement, a sense of expectancy As the beloved, the girl character within the Song of Songs, she sees her lover making his way to her place. And as far as she's concerned, he's pretty hot. Uh, He is athletically bounding across the fields. Uh, His muscles are rippling like a, a young, lean stag as he runs to her front fence and looks up at the windows. It's a movie scene. We've also, she hears, she hears a car driving down the street. It stops out the front of her place. She runs to the window, looks out, and there he is leaning on the front gate, their eyes locked, their pulses race. Uh, They both long to be with each other. That's the thrill of these verses. And there is a deliberate sense of physical arousement in the text. It's the guy who puts it into words. Funny about that. Verse 10. My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter's passed, the, the rains are over and gone, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the coos of du- of, is heard in our land, the fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their va- uh, fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the guy is saying, it's springtime, winter's over, 
Flowers are blooming. It's the season of love. Nature itself seems to be making love. And so we must be together. It's right to be together. The yearning to be together is almost overwhelming. Verse 14. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. See, it's poetic license here. He's talking about how his love is hidden away behind the front wall of the house, behind the lattice, behind the bedroom window. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. Your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. The whole feeling of this opening section is that of eagerly looking forward to being with the one that you love. It's all about the arousal and the impatience of just counting down the minutes until the train gets in, until the plane arrives, until you get home and you can be together again. It's all about the way your pulse quickens just from thinking about the sound of their voice, thinking about how how they feel in your arms. Uh, The way in a room full of people, there is that one person that you always look for first. The way that person can be your whole world and you cannot wait to be with them and when you aren't with them, it's as if there really is truly a little piece of you missing and it doesn't feel right unless you're together. The song is drawing us into those sorts of feelings because, you see, it wants us to acutely feel the anxiety that is now about to develop. Because a change in mood is going to come slowly at first, but surely pleasure is going to give way to pain. Pain in the form of foxes and fears. Firstly come the foxes, verse 15 of chapter 2. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. It's a funny little verse, this one. Uh, The word choice, ruining the vineyards, uh, the ESV has spoiling the vineyards. Uh, what we've got happening here sounds a lot less positive to what we've just been reading about. What's the deal with foxes and vineyards though? Well, foxes are not mentioned anywhere else in the song, but vineyards are often. Vineyards are consistently used throughout the song as a way of our lovers talking about each other. Uh, in chapter 1, she described herself as a neglected vineyard. He actually described her as being like a vineyard in an oasis. It's a lovely phrase. In chapter 7 and 8, she speaks of herself as a vineyard that she has kept for her lover and for her lover alone to enjoy. And so if vineyards are effectively their way of talking about each other, well, the foxes sound like it's a reference to some sort of threat to our two lovers being together. Catch for us the foxes, little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. See, our lovers are in bloom. They are more than ready to be together. But it would seem that there's some sort of danger happening. Foxes, little ones, mind you, sneaky small things, they're threatening to weasel into their lives and create havoc between them. Now, at this point, I'm sure we could have a field day thinking up what exactly these little foxes could be. People have spent ages thinking about it. A recent uh, study at the Australian National University, they've actually discovered that the five most common factors that break up a relationship, five most common factors are differences in age, different desire for children, work, alcohol, smoking. 
Any of them could be foxes. We could think of heaps more, couldn't we? Laziness. Lust. Pornography. Violence. Unsupportive friends. Meddling family. Love triangle with someone else trying to move in. There is no end to the sorts of things that can disintegrate a relationship. Indeed, it may not even be one obvious thing at all. It, it can be exactly like that movie clip. The guy says, did you ever have a boyfriend? What happened? Why didn't they work out? She says, what always happens? Life. That is so true. Because sometimes it can just feel like normal life, just the normal circumstances of living, just your regular daily routine. Sometimes it can feel as if they're the sort of things that just sort of conspire to keep you apart from your lover. And I wonder whether that's what Song of Songs is getting at here. It's not so much interested in telling us exactly what the foxes are, it's just wanting us to see that they exist. Because Song of Songs is opening our eyes to the fact that for all its joy, uh, for all its pleasure, love in this world is rarely straightforward. Love in this world will have its challenges. Love in this world will have its threats. And therefore, love in this world requires work and attention and care to catch the foxes, whatever they are, to head off the threats, whatever they are. Now, you do know that, don't you? Those of you who are married. Because that is one of the things about marriage. It, It does not take long at all before you can just start taking your partner for granted. Well, of course they know I love them. I married them, didn't they? Didn't I? And so it doesn't take long at all before you just stop doing the little things. You stop doing the big things. And children come along and you start focusing on them and not so much with each other. Friends, if you're here and you're married, you are still working on your love life, aren't you? You are still doing the romantic things. You're still doing the spontaneous things that you used to do when you first started going out. You haven't let yourself go too much, have you? You haven't let things slip too much, have you? If you're here and you're married, why don't you go home this afternoon and talk about whether there might be some foxes in the marriage? And if you can't be bothered to do that, that may well be a sign that there already are big ones and they're running amok. You've got to catch the foxes when they're little before they ruin it. But back here in Song of Songs, it's now going to give rise to a girl, the girl having a bad dream because these potential foxes, whatever they are, they're starting to play on her mind and they now give way to fear, fear of losing her lover altogether. Chapter 3, verse 1. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. All night long on my bed. We're meant to see here that we are now in the midst of a dream. A very similar sequence of events is going to happen in chapter 5, and it'll even be more obvious there that this is a bad dream that we are entering into. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him but did not find him. 
I'll get up now and go about the city. Through its streets and squares, I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him but did not find him. The watchman found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? I can remember when Sue and I had been going out for quite a while, um, quite a while actually, I foolishly break up with her. Uh, it was a dumb thing to do and I, it's one of the things that I realised almost as soon as I had done it. In many ways it was breaking up with Sue that made me realise how much I truly loved her, the classic you don't realise what you've got till it's gone. To, catch a long story, to, to cut a long story short though, after I had broken up with her, another bloke arrived on the scene clearly interested in Sue. And, you know, that was, that was so many years ago. And it ended happily for me because, you know, obviously I got to win her back. We're married now. But I can still remember that sinking feeling in my stomach and the almost panic that crept over me that I had, that I had just gone and ruined everything. And I'd stupidly lost the love of my life. And that we weren't going to be together now. And that's the fear that Song of Songs is wanting us to tap into. She's dreaming of not knowing where her lover has disappeared to. And you see, all that previous stuff that we've been exposed to about how intensely they long to be together, that now turns on her and makes the separation even worse. Three times we read, I looked for the one I, lo- I looked for the one I loved. I looked for him. I looked for him. Three times she repeats the phrase, the one my heart loves. We're meant to feel the pain because of the preciousness of the person that she can't find. The sense of panic, the almost hysteria in her voice as she roams the night up and down every street looking for him, frantically searching for him, not being able to find where he is. Until suddenly, verse 4, scarcely had I passed them, that's the watchman, when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go. You can see the scene in your head, can't you? You know, Perhaps she's sobbing still, uh, trembling with relief of finding him. What she say? Holding him, refusing to let him go. Because this is the one. This is the one my heart loves. You've seen pictures on the news. Someone's been missing for ages, perhaps they've been lost, perhaps there's been a disaster, and then suddenly someone's been found. They've survived. And you see their partner just burst through the crowd into their arms. That's the scene. I like it because it's got a happy ending. But why take us on this emotional journey in the first place? Like, what is, what is the point of this? Well, Song of Songs wants us to show that there is a flip side to love. And yes, it can bring pleasure and joy, but at the same time, love is so intense that it will also open you up to the prospect of real pain as well. I mean, think about the ebb and flow of this passage. It started with the pleasure of our two lovers eagerly anticipating being together, but that anticipation drifted into anxiety. And the fact that they wanted to be together so badly only made it worse when they weren't able to be together. And sure, there was a happy ending eventually, 
But there is still distress before you got to it. There is still pain before you got to it. So can you begin to imagine the pain if you don't even get to a happy ending? And so the section concludes with some familiar words, didn't it? Chapter 3, verse 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Remember those words last week? I mentioned then that those words form a chorus throughout the song. Those exact words get repeated three times throughout the book. It's just like a chorus of a song. And the way this book fits together is that each new section leading up to this chorus, each new section sheds new light onto why this lesson is so important. That as you read each new section, a new truth, a new reason is overlaid onto the previous reasons as to why it is that you shouldn't arouse love too soon. Last week the reason was because love is so powerful. It'll captivate you, it'll shape what you see, it'll change what you do, how you think. That's why you shouldn't rush into it, it's so powerful. This reason, this week, the reason we're seeing for not rushing into love is because along with the pleasure, love will also make you vulnerable to pain. Maybe more pain than you can possibly imagine. Missy Higgins sings a song called Night Minds, which totally nails this feeling. She sings quite simply of love. The highs will make you fly. And the lows will make you want to die. And some of you know exactly what she means. Some of you have had partner who ha- some of you have partners who are away for long periods of time and so there is loneliness and there's tears on the phone as you miss each other. Some of you know pain far worse than that. Some of you have lost, lost your lover altogether. Perhaps love has taken uh, perhaps sorry death has taken them. Perhaps another lover has taken them. Perhaps they have just fallen out of love with you. Whatever the reason, some of you have been left with inconsolable grief. Some of you have even loved people who have never loved you back. And some of you may have even had to go through the torment of even being in the same room with them, but they just don't have eyes for you. In this world, love can be so tough. And Song of Songs is saying, so don't rush it. Be really careful with this. Don't be so in love with love that you rush into something foolishly. Because love can open a world of pain. And if you're here and you're single, you really need to hear this so that you do not do anything rash in your life. And if you are here and you're married, you really need to hear this, so that you do not let your love wander. And if you have a family, this is a truth, you need to help your kids understand. 
And if you're older, this is a lesson you need to help your grandchildren realise. And no matter who you are, this is a lesson to give wise counsel and support to your friends with. Because love is all around, just like the songs. It touches us all. And this morning, God wants to again remind you that love is something to handle very, very carefully. This is not something to hasten into. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires, because love can turn around and hurt you more than you can begin to imagine. And if you foolishly doubt that, you only need to ask God himself. Because just like last week, this is a lesson about love that really is opening our eyes even further to the staggering depths of God's love for us. Because if you know anything about the gospel of Jesus, you must understand that God himself has felt the pain that can come from love. For this is love, not that we loved God. He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. Earlier this year, our eldest daughter, Felicity, went to uni. I had been dreading this for ages because I was bad enough when our children started school. But when Flick went off to uni, I was a mess. Uh, the drive home from Sydney was probably the longest drive in my life. A couple of times I thought I was going to have to pull over just to compose myself. When we got home, I would have, for days, I would have waves of near panic, levels of sadness sweep over me. Uh, like a moth to a flame, I would go and stand in her empty bedroom and it would feel like a physical hole in my chest. Now I know I'm a complete sook when it comes to that sort of stuff. But do you think God loves Jesus any less than I love Felicity? And God sent him. And not like us who sent Flick to a Christian residential college at uni uh, where we knew that there are other people there that she would know and other Christians around her that she that would care for. God released his son into a hostile world knowing full well that at that most critical moment with Jesus in agony on the cross that God, the Father, would not save him. Man, when Flick was a bit sad the first couple of weeks at uni, we were there in a flash. Do you reckon God loves Jesus any less? How much do you reckon he must love you to not save Jesus from the cross so as to save us from sin? Friends, love is powerful stuff. Last week we were told it's so intense that it will captivate you with someone. This week we're being told that it's so intense it will leave you vulnerable to a world of pain. And for those who need to hear it, be careful with it. Do not arouse or awaken love before it so desires. And for those who need to hear it, don't let your love wander or wane. Catch the foxes. And for those who need to hear it, How much 
must God love you to go through the pain he went through for you? He did it because he didn't want to get over you. He wanted to get you back. I'll pray. Father, again this morning, we want to thank you for the gift of love and the pleasure it can give. Father, thank you for loving us enough to warn us of the hurt that can also happen. Help us to be careful in love. And thank you also for the way that you have loved us, that you did not even withhold your son, and that you took pain into your very being so as to win us back. Father, that's extraordinary. And we are left to simply, humbly say thank you. Amen.